You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Well, it's, it's a real honour and privilege to be with you. My name is Dan and uh, I think it's uh, one of the most special things to come to a, a church where pretty much no one knows you and, uh, and it's a great risk. I think it's a risk from your side uh, in, in uh, inviting me because uh, you don't know what this strange guy is going to say and yet for the next 25 or 30 minutes you're opening your ears and your heart and I hope that um, what I'm going to share is something not just from uh, Dan Hardy and his wisdom but it is from God and his wisdom in the scriptures and, uh, and it's our hope and prayer that you might um, get something that is, uh, th- that is deep and that will get into the recesses of our heart and speak into our soul and help to bring life change as you go into your world tomorrow. And so, uh, you know, I just want to give you an encouragement as a church. Um, this is a great church and North Sydney and this whole area needs you to be the best you that you can be. And I, I, I believe that, you know, a whole bunch of young people here and, you know, young and old, but, you know, the, the, the people around are watching how Christians behave and their attitudes and their whole, uh, the way you go about living and they... They don't know us by the message we speak or just by, <clears throat> by the songs. They know you by the way, the fruit in your life, the way you live, the co- kindness of your heart. <clears throat> but, you know, um, but, and I, I think that this church already, we came in here, Aaron and I, and uh, people have been friendly and have been um, welcoming. And we've, we've just even loved the last sort of 30 minutes with you guys. You worship with a passionate heart. And I think that people in this area will catch, hey, there's really the Holy Spirit here. And I, and I just want to encourage you to um, keep charging. And uh, I'm from a, a church down in the Sutherland Shire. Don't hold that against us. We um, drove, uh, or we drove under the the, um, the harbour tunnel. And I said to Aaron, "Hey, uh, we we've got to go across the harbour bridge tonight." You know, uh, I don't do it that often. You know, probably a few times a year, but um, yeah. But 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 you know, just the the harbour at night time. What a beautiful place it is. And uh, you know, it's a it's a great spot you got here. I spend a lot of my time during the week. Um, I, I uh, I do a couple of things with a church called Thrive, and I'm one of the pastors there, and um, and we help you know teach and, and grow a bunch of young people there, and um, we we got a, a great sort of family service on the Sunday mornings, and we, we we're trying we're, we're trying to reach people who are far from God, and that's a big part of our mission. Uh, part of also um, what I do for work, I work for an organisation called LifeWords, and we create. Uh, Bible tools and resources. We're a, we're a Bible agency, and we create tools and resources for people to take first steps in the Scriptures. And um, it's really uh, a great passion of mine to help people who are far from God or new to faith to learn. Hey, how do I read the Bible? How do I even connect with God? And is He speaking to me? And all those sort of things. And we've created a bunch of tools. Like you might have seen the little book of help. Um, has anyone ever seen this? Have you guys ever seen that? The teenagers might have seen that for yeah, uh, Jesse and that. So uh, Aaron, um, if we've got any teenagers, anyone who's like sort of thirteen to eighteen here, and we'll, we'll grab a, a couple of little book of help, and they all sit together. Okay, you know that together we're we're, we're okay. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and, and if anyone wants to have a look over here as well. But, um, but this, is what I, this is part of what I do for work we create. This is basically um, a whole stack of scriptures that help um, teenagers take first steps in reading the Bible. And they get given out at the end of Youth Alive um, rallies or, um, you know, outreach events. They get given out in schools and all sorts of things to encourage teenagers. Um, hey, uh, there is a God who uh, he speaks through his word and it can be um, uh, relevant 
and meaningful and something that you can connect with. And, um, and so that's uh, a great passion of ours. We started a thing um, actually called Verse First. It's a, uh, it's a, the, the, it's a daily scripture sort of thing on, um, on both Facebook and Instagram. And there's about 11,000 teenagers now um, connecting with God's Word through that. They get a daily, we call it scripture art. It's kind of a scripture image. And, um, and the whole idea is that it just encourages teenagers to um, take first steps in reading God's Word. And we choose things that they'll, hey, okay, that's something that can speak into my life today. And we get a lot of teenagers who are saying yes and, uh, and uh, all those kind of things. And yeah, it brings a great joy. And so if you, uh, I know someone's on, on their phone now and so that's cool. Um, I know you're setting up to take notes and all that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you have a look at Verse First on Instagram uh, or on Facebook and, um, and, and you'll catch that. So that's a little bit about what we do. But, um, you know, tonight I believe that um, God's put a word in my heart to, to bring to you that will help maybe some of us get a little bit unsafe stuck that'll help others to plan for a better future and um and a future that is more in line with what he has for us and uh and so i want to ask a question as we start um i wonder if you've got something in your life that you really regret i wonder if maybe some of the teenagers are like i haven't lived long enough to regret anything yet (laughs) but you might be creating those all right um but you know some of us we might have things that we we already can bring to mind and say, yeah, I, I regret that thing. I, I regret saying that. I regret this moment or whatever. And I, I want to talk about regret tonight. And uh, two years ago, we were, um, my wife and I were, were rebuilding our house. And uh, it was like a little renovation that turned into this crazy thing where we, we pulled the roof off the house and then the walls kind of came down as well. And then we ended up rebuilding our house and we were doing it. I was doing it with um, Jill's dad. And uh, anyway, it was a, a massive project. But it was really fun. Uh, and there was a time when we were nearly finished and we'd moved in. And uh, one morning I got up and I was having breakfast. Jules had gone to work and, um, you know, and I heard this pump on the side of our house and it was sort of making crazy noises. It was like, and I'm like, it doesn't normally sound like that, you know? And, um, and, and so I sort of kept eating breakfast and I'm in my Jimmy Jams, you know? And, uh, and uh, you know, I'm hearing this noise and I think, oh, I should go and have a look at what's happening to this pump that's on the side of the house. And so I walk around, you know, and I go to this pump and here it is. And I realize there's a, there's a belt spinning around two big steel metal cogs, right? Kind of like a fan belt in your car. It's a belt and it spins. There's a motor that drives it. So this is driving going, and it's supposed to be making the belt spin around, but the belt's not spinning. However, the motor is working and it's turning. And I'm like, oh, I know what's going on. The belt's come loose. And so it's not working very well uh, or it's, it's, it's not doing the circles that it's supposed to do and it's causing the... All right. And in all my wisdom, uh, don't laugh too early, I decided to feel if the belt had come loose and how loose it was. All right. And so I grabbed the belt and suddenly, boom, it went. And within a split second, we had an incident. <laughs> within a split second, I lost the top of my finger. And it, you don't have to show it yet. No, no, I'm supposed to bring a disclaimer before the picture. <laughs> you didn't even know there was a picture coming, right? I'll give you the uh, heads up in a moment, all right? Here I am, I'm alone. My dog is actually with me. I, I thought he was going to eat my finger that was on the ground. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I'm there and suddenly I realise something has gone wrong. You know, your body is amazing. 
God's made us incredible because at that moment, I didn't feel pain. You think, I was always, you know, you see in the movies and things, oh, and you think about torture and things. Your body is amazing. Adrenaline kicks in and it floods your body. It's almost like a mini uh, state of shock. But I, for that moment, went, I've got to get safe. I'm bleeding really bad. I covered, I didn't want to look at it and I covered it up. And, um, and then I just ran and I, I got some rags and, and, I, and I wrapped up my finger and I thought, right, I've got to go to hospital. It's a good idea, right? So uh, I thought, oh, how, do, how do I get to hospital? Okay, you know what? I shouldn't go like this. I need to get some jeans and a T-shirt on and stuff like that, right? Even I sprayed some deodorant, all right? <laughs> I know, I got half my finger missing and I'm spraying deodorant. Um, however, I, I, I got what I felt was clean enough and, uh, and I went knocking on my neighbor's doors. Hey, can you help me? No, no one's home. Next door. And, and I actually, I went into the, no one answered the door and I could hear them inside. So I went around the back and I went into there and I said, hey, you, you got to help me. I, I, I think I, I might have had a little problem here. Um, and, uh, and, and my neighbor, Mao, he drove me to the hospital. And when we got to the hospital, uh, I hadn't really had a good look. And so they took the bandages off and, um, and what we discovered, you know, teenagers and all that, this is a good time to look at your little book of help. But um, this is what I saw. Now, I didn't chop the whole finger off or anything like that. And, um, but as, yeah. Now, yeah, that is a little bit of bone. Okay. Here I am in the hospital and I started to feel faint. The surgeon comes and he says, hey, where's the end of the finger? And I went, oh. I didn't even think of it. And he goes, well, we've got to get it and to see if we can stitch it on and things like that. And so at this stage, my neighbor who dropped me off, he'd already, he was already on his way home. So I ring him, Mal, hey, can you go and try and find my finger? All right. <laughs> so now, this is kind of funny, right? He goes to my house and there's all these instructions. You've got to put it into a plastic bag and then that little plastic bag into another bag that's got ice in it. Keep it on ice, but you don't want the ice next to the finger because it'll go soggy. And, and, and Okay, okay. So I'm explaining all of this to him and he goes up there. He doesn't have any of the plastic bags or whatever. He's looking around and he picks up the finger. He's got it in his hand. And he, uh, there it is, right? Is this a bit gross for Sunday night church? Okay, keep with me, right? He, he, he's got the finger in his hand and um, then, so he's walking down. I'm like, I'm still on the phone to him. Now, keep it clean. You can't dirty it. You know, you, they, they might sew it back on and things like this. And so <laughs> he ends up walking down and it's quite steep. Aaron knows our place. It's quite steep, the, um, the, the pathway, and he slips. The finger goes up in the air and it lands in the garden, right? And so suddenly he's like, oh, okay, Dan, I've got to go, right? I'm like, okay, sweet. You know, how oh, good he's got it. Everything's all right. The finger's in the garden. So he's now on his hands and knees and he's looking for it. His mother-in-law comes walking past. Hi, Mal. How are you going? She's visiting for the day, visiting the grandkids and all that. Um, what are you doing down in Dan's garden? I'm looking for Dan's finger. All right. You what? So the two of them, she's 76 years old and they're down looking at, he says it landed on a leaf. All right. I don't believe him. I don't believe it. It was in a dog pool or something, you know, like it, 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 Anyway, it, the finger comes to the hospital and they decide, look, we, we, we can't sew it back on. We're really sorry. And, um, yeah, and, and so um, I won't show you exactly because it's kind of rude if I just show you that finger, you know. But, um, but I, I, I'm missing the top third of my finger and they, um, you know, I spent a couple of days in hospital and they stitched it up. And, uh, and uh, you know what? Uh, let me just say this for a second. 
I put the picture on Facebook, right? Not that one. I put a, a more tame one on Facebook. I thought you guys were tough tonight. I know I've met a couple of doctors already here. Hey, can I have a closer look at that picture? You know, um, but you know, I, I put it on Facebook, and and, and it, it outscored, outliked, outcommented every uh, all my wedding pictures, my picture of my little boy, and all that. No, doesn't even get close to the picture of the finger. You know, and so you know what that tells me? People are like, yeah, kind of, Dan. We like we like your wedding pictures. We like your little boy. He's cute and all that. But we love that you chopped your finger off. You know, and um, and uh, what, do people not like me? You know, these especially me and my friends. But uh, you know. Um, I'm spitting all over this thing, you know. I'm getting a bit excited here. But, uh, you, you know, um, just one more thing. After a period of time, people feel like it's safe to, to tell jokes. <laughs> but, it, you know, you don't want it too soon because it hurts your feelings. But already within minutes, my younger brother, he said, hey, so do I tell my kids to give, that you can't give Uncle Dan high fives anymore? It's got to be a high four, you know, like this. I'm like, oh, come on, Sam. Another person, uh, uh, someone, some people know Dave Stanton. He sent me a message saying, do you get 10% off manicure now? <laughs> I'm laying in a hospital bed with no surgery yet, and these messages are coming. <laughs> you know, I can laugh or joke in, in, in public, and, but in private, I'm telling you, it's something serious. The worst part is that almost every day, at least for a year, I would replay the events in my head of what I should have done. And how many times did I say to myself, I should have just turned the machine off and then felt if the belt was loose. I could have used a stick. I had a pair of pliers with me. I could have used that. But no, I'm an idiot. I decided to use my fingers, which I like (laughs) and I want to keep. And you know what? Every day I had that ping of regret in my heart where I went, "What? I'm just an idiot. I don't know if you've ever had that happen before. I kind of, I think that my, my I, I, I can be okay with it because I think, okay, it's a bit of an accident. We all have accidents, don't we? Michael, I was talking to Michael, um, he's not here, uh, I don't think he's here, but, you know, about his car accident. And I'm like, far out. You know, imagine how many times you replay over in your head, oh, I should have done that or I should have gone here or, you know, and how many things we can, we can, we, we can regret in our lives. You know, um, my regret was an accident, but some people's regret is deliberate. And someone sent me an email with a whole bunch of regrettable tattoos. Have you ever seen a tattoo that you go, I bet they regret that one, right? And, um, and you know, I think it's funny because people deliberately do it, right? Yeah, I'm going to put this on my body and it's going to stay for the rest of my life. Have a look at this young bloke, right? Only God will what? How's your spelling, guys? Only God will judge me. <laughs> Okay, well, here's another one for you. Um, this is our, our sailor friend. Like, I, I don't know if it's his wife or what, but that's a really, really bad tattoo. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. Well, uh, if they don't have a regret, though, they should. Um, we got another one here. I like this one. Does anyone think that's a kind of cool uh, tattoo? Um, yeah, I, I, I think. So he's got the, his eyes on the forearm and all that. Okay, okay. We got um, just two more. What about this guy? That's an awesome tattoo, yeah? He's going to have that for the rest of his life. But at least, well, hopefully he could grow a little bit more hair if he doesn't like it. But uh, I reckon that's awesome. And then here's our final one. I love the spelling mistake ones. Wow. No regrets. R-A-G-R-E-T. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? They, that, that stays with them for the rest of their life. And, you know, sometimes I think... Um, 
people might carry regrets on the outside. But I wonder what sort of regrets we carry on the inside. A friend of mine is an ultra, ultra extrovert. And he says, you know, Dan, almost every social engagement, I come home kicking myself, wonder why I'm so loud, why I said that, why I was boisterous, why I was rude or whatever. And he says, it's just, any extroverts in the room? Do you ever like go, shut up, you know, to yourself? That's what he says. Or the 14-year-old who called someone a spaz only to realize that the person that they said that to literally had a disability. And she's like, I, I, take me now, Lord. You know, I just want to crawl under a rock. You know, others have regrets where they shouldn't have dated a certain person. You look back and go, man, that, that, that's caused damage. There's something in my heart that's been hurt by that. I should have studied harder so I, sh- so I got into that better class. But now I'm at the other end and I look back and I know what I should have done. I wish I didn't get drunk and do those stupid things. Some people, I wish I had exercised earlier or saved my money when I was younger. Or maybe some of us, we've, we've told lies or we've got consequences for things that we've done. And now we look back and we say, man, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I did that differently. You know, and we all kick ourselves for things we look back on and wish we'd done differently, don't we? Isn't that true? Then there's the deeper issues where some of us might even carry really deep regret, where our actions have cost us big time. Maybe for some of us it's cost a relationship, maybe a friendship. Or maybe we've really hurt someone and now we can't t- take it back. You know, I remember there's a guy, this is when I was in year 12 at school, and he only had his L's but he was driving alone. And he went through a stop sign and T-boned the car that my good friend Dave Girardi was in. And it killed Dave and his younger sister. And this 17-year-old boy who was driving this car carries that with him for the rest of his life. For the rest of his life. Or the girl, and I know this girl, she had a big blow-up with her dad. And she never called him to say sorry. And later that week, he had a stroke and passed away. And she says, my last memory is just yelling at him and swearing at him. And I wish I did things different. You know, after the event, we know what we should have done and where we could have done it different. Isn't that true? You know, the word for this is hindsight. And I'm going to get Aaron just to put this up over here. Because if you take notes tonight, I want you to write this down. The hindsight has a definition. It's really simple. Hindsight is knowing what to do after the event. And so many of us camp over here in hindsight and we look back and go, oh, I know what I should have done. I know when I should have done it. I know what words I should have used. But it's too late now. I'm over here and I look back with hindsight. You know what's more powerful than hindsight? What's more wise than hindsight? Foresight. And the Proverbs talk a lot about foresight. We'll put this up over here because I want to illustrate this for a moment. Foresight is knowing what to do before the event. See, this is where the scriptures are so powerful in our lives. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12, it says this, a prudent person foresees danger, all right? They live in the land of foresight and they look at the event and they say, that's all right, you can watch YouTube while we're preaching, all right? Um, and, uh, 
Uh, this is j just a joke, okay? Uh, but um, she really is. No, no. <laughs> when a person, a prudent person or a wise person foresees danger, they're looking forward saying, I can see that that pump is dangerous to fingers. I can see that that relationship is going to damage my heart. I can see in advance, and so I'm going to do something about it. And see, the prudent person foresees danger and takes precaution. This is the wise person. This is the person who God says, hey, become like this. But the simpleton or the fool, in another translation, blindly goes on and suffers the consequence. You know that the Proverbs is filled with wisdom on how we should live, on what is going to, uh, to, to bring us to a better place in life that serves God and shows the world that we are diligent, noble people who have got a good future ahead and we know what we're doing. See, have a look at Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12 in, in the message. Have a look at this. This is the same verse, but this is the way the message puts it. A prudent person sees trouble coming in ducks. I like it. I see, I see it swinging at me. Whoa, I'm going to take action now. So the fool or the simpleton walks in blindly and just gets clobbered. You know which one I was? I got clobbered. See, we're all experts in hindsight. Isn't that true? I know what I should have done when I should have started saving what I should have said in that moment, how I should have reacted when they got out of the car. But foresight is not so common. And a wise person foresees danger and acts. And teenagers, you know, young people, it's rare to find a teenager saving now because they're planning for their future. That's rare. But that's the realm of foresight. It's rare to, to, to find someone preparing their character now before they start a relationship. We all dive into relationship and then we've got to really work hard at, our, at forming character and working out our beliefs on things and making decisions all of a sudden in the heat of the moment or whatever. And suddenly I'm here and I need to, and I should have done this years ago because now I'm, I'm in over my head. It's rare to find a young person who chooses now what they'll do in a peer pressure situation. See, this is why it's so important to fill our hearts and our minds with the Word of God, that we might gain His wisdom and say, all right, I'm going to make choices now that's going to benefit my future later and help me to walk in His ways so that I'm not a fool or a simpleton, so I don't get clobbered by the consequences of life and live with regret and always know what to do because I've got hindsight, because the event was there, but I'm over here and I'm looking back on it. I want to know in advance and plan my future that is going to be one that, that, that is fruitful and life-giving and not filled with regret and sorrow. And see, we get choice in this. Sure, some things happen to us, don't they? But we get choice in this. And, you know, um, maybe you're here and you said, you know, in hindsight, I would have dealt with my anger earlier. In hindsight... I know now that I should have built a habit of exercise. In hindsight, I should have studied more. I should have started saving, as I mentioned before. In hindsight, I know what I should have done. But tonight, you get a choice to operate with foresight. 
Foresight is knowing what we should have done before it happens. You know, when you open up the book of Proverbs, and I'm going to encourage you to do something. You know, the, 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 in a lot of months, there's 31 days. And there's 31 different chapters of Proverbs. Take one chapter a day. You know, if you haven't got a reading plan or whatever, if, if you're, you don't even read the Bible, start with Proverbs. Because you'll realize, hey, actually God's Word speaks into our lives and, and speaks to a lot of this stuff. I want you to take it and just go, right, one chapter a day. And I'm going to have a look at what God speaks and says to me, uh, you know, through his wisdom. But, you know, um, in the first um, eight chapters of Proverbs, it instructs young men to avoid sexual immorality in five, huge chunks, five out of the first eight chapters. And it says, hey, if you have foresight, you'll know that the temptress or you'll know that the future can be dangerous for you. And it might shipwreck your faith. It might send you off on another track. And you can decide now what you're going to do then. Foresight. Well, the many scripture, scriptures that t- talks about quarreling and fighting. You'll see this right littered throughout the book of Proverbs. And how a wise person holds their tongue. They learn self-control. But the fool blurts out whatever they think. And how many of us have that made that mistake and it's cost us? Uh, you know when words are out there, you, you, you try and gobble them back in, but they're already out? Anyone ever done that? I, I, I do that all the time. Uh, <laughs> how many times does the, the Proverbs talk about anger? Very blunt and the kind of ruin that is left by those who don't learn to control their temper. And for some of us, this is your take home right here, right now. That I've got stuff in my life that I'm starting to regret and I need to deal with it now. I need to work out a better future now. I need to make decisions on my relationships now. I need to plan and live in the realm of, high, uh, uh, in the realm of foresight. I need to do it now and I need to plan for where I want to be in the future. That will honor God and develop wisdom in you. You know, when I was... Um, when I was in Bible college, um, I'd come straight out of school. Uh, I spent from 18 to 21 uh, doing a theology degree. I had this amazing job and it was at the Franklin's Distribution Centre. Is Franklin's even alive anymore? Like, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, yeah, I know, you're laughing at my job. But it paid awesome money. It was a union job and all that. Every time I went to work, we would be striking for half an hour. And I was just like, can I just get back to work and earn some money? Because that's... But you know what? I learned even at that age, I'm going to save money. I'm going to plan for the future. Because I knew if I'm heading toward a ministry job, it's not a big money earning, you know. So I need to be smart here now. I really, I really thought that. Who thinks that at 18? Someone preached it and taught us. And I thought, I'm going to do that. I started saving money. My final year of Bible college, I bought a, a, a unit when I was 21 years old. It was in Kent Street in the city. I don't know how I bought that and what I was thinking, but somehow, you know when you kind of have blind faith and you just go, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll buy it. It looks good. And, and, and there was an opportunity and all that. And you know what? That has helped us so much. Because in the, the jobs that I, I, I've never earned good money, but it's such a blessing to say, well, I'm glad that at that young age, I started planning for the future. And for what we can do. And, and um, you know, I just encourage you. And this might be your, your, just you right now. Make a plan for where you want to be. Whether it's in your relationships, whether it's dealing. Maybe you've got to go and see a counsellor. And go, I'm going to get this anger thing sorted out before I destroy someone else. 
Or maybe you lie to yourself and you say, well, I only ever really yell at mum and dad. Or I only ever yell at my... You know what? It leaks into all relationships. And so some of us have to go just sort some stuff out. And go, right, I'm going to address this so that I have a better future. I don't want to live with regret. I don't want to live with broken relationship. I don't want to live in that realm over there. I want to live over here and make a plan. And so... I want to encourage some of you, just maybe, maybe this is it and you tune out. I just want to speak for it about another six or seven minutes, all right? But if that's your take home, write it down and think, what, what do I have to plan in my life? I do want to ask a question. What do we do on the back end of regret when it's too late for foresight and when we're left with hindsight? What do we do when we're stuck over here going, man, you know what? My heart, I'm filled with sorrow. I'm filled with regret. I, got, you know, I don't like who I've become. I don't, you know, and, and, and when we're over there already, what action steps do we take? And I just want to spend the last couple of minutes helping you move and get free from a place where you might be stuck, looking back in hindsight and going, oh, man, I wish I made different decisions. And so um, the first thing, I, there's just three very short points. And um, we'll, we'll press through them and, um, and I hope that this brings a little bit of freedom and release for all of us. Wise people, number one, do not linger with their regret. Wise people do not linger with their regret. I'm a lingerer. A few years ago, we were running youth ministry and God blessed it, really. Uh, this is at Menai and, and I was running the year 9 to 12 section. We had 120 kids coming on a Friday night and our venue was full. We were in a little unit and... and we couldn't fit them. We couldn't, I wish I had a picture that I could show you. I should have done that, actually. Um, but, you know, th- th- there, were, there were kids literally everywhere. And so I said to our youth team at the end of that year, hey, um, you know, this has been good, but if we're going to grow even more, because I don't know when, the, when, when we sort of cap out, um, you know, we, we should move into a school or into somewhere else where we can, you know, encourage and, and, and bring more kids in. And they all said, nah, that's dumb. Half of the reason why this works is because they like being jammed in and we like, you know, and it's, and it's an exciting sort of atmosphere and you got this sort of grungy kind of, you know, and the music and, you know, people playing punk music and doing all sorts. Of, and it was a real, I mean, it was a real moment in time. And, um, and I said, nah, you know what? God wants us to grow more. So I made a decision. We're going to pack this thing up and we're going to move over to the local school. And the local school wasn't available on a Friday night, so we even moved to a Saturday night, right? Within the first three months, half the youth kids was gone. Our leaders got discouraged. We had a whole stack of leaders leave. And you know who felt like a failure? This guy. This is my decision and it failed. You know, it nearly crippled me and made me give up. It nearly made me say, you know what, this is too hard. Someone else should now lead because I make dumb decisions. And, and, and it was something that I, I lived with for, for months and months and months, maybe even to the end of the year, where the whole time I felt discouraged and I felt like I'm a failure and I, I didn't know what to do. And we ended up making a change. And you know what? That was, we never really got back to, to, to that time, to be honest. But I, re, I, I had to learn to forgive myself. I had to learn to put that down and get moving again. I love the, the, the passage in Lamentations where God says, hey, my mercies are new every morning. Every morning. You wake up and you say, okay, I'm going to put that day behind me. I'm going to put those decisions and I'm not going to linger with my regret. 
around the house. I'm trying to gain my confidence by using power tools and other things again. Uh, for, for months, I didn't want to touch anything that spun. You know, I'm like, oh, that thing could, oh. And I'm, you know, it's almost like I wanted to wear mittens all the time, you know. And, um, and eventually you've got to gain your confidence back. Isn't that true? And so, you know, uh, for some of us who have regret, we fall into depression. For some of us who lose a boyfriend or a girlfriend or something breaks up and suddenly they emotionally disappear. And I don't think that God, that's God's plan at all. Others no longer risk things because they're afraid to fail. Some hold back from relationships in case it hurts again or in case I hurt another. Others, they don't believe they're worthy of love or of intimacy because of the mistakes they've made. And maybe some of you, you, you've had a dream in your heart for where you want it to be and, and, and maybe that life hasn't turned out. And maybe you thought the marriage would be like this and now it's like that and you're like, ah. Oh. And yet so many of us, we quit. We stop trying because the dream didn't work. And I want to say that if we operate with wisdom, wise people don't linger with regret and live in that land. We get up and we go again. The book of Malachi, it says, when I fall, I shall arise. When I stumble, I will make my way to the light. And some of us, we need to shake that off and go, okay, I've made mistakes. I'm going to draw a line in the sand and I'm going to get back on the path that God wants me to be on. And so if that's you, it's time to get up and keep going. The second thing that you can do with your regret, and this is real bad, you can kind of deny it. But wise people, they own up and are sorry. And so if you end up over here in hindsight and you're looking back at the event saying, I've made a mistake or I've hurt that person or I've done this or I've done that or I yelled or got angry or you're looking back at the event, don't deny your part in it all. You know, I could have said, who put that machine there? Why isn't there a warning on it? Don't we do this? There should be a warning on it. Who tightened this belt the last time it was sort of spinning around? I want to go back and sue them. <laughs> isn't that true? Who designed it this way? It should be safer. And that's what so many people do in life. We end up pushing blame away. We don't want to accept responsibility for our lives or where we've ended up for our decisions. And we put blame onto others. And, you know, people want to blame the church for, for why they're not passionate. We want to blame our partner for making us angry. You made me angry. It's just a, a button you pushed, you know. Okay, no one else is like that. Okay, just, just, <laughs> thanks for all your laughs out there. You know, we blame others. We blame other drivers, you know, for, for creating a traffic jam or for driving. You know, this person's such a bad driver, you know. And we, you know we, we do this all the time. But you know what? There's a difference for people who operate with wisdom, who are able to grow and become all that God wants us when we say, I shouldn't have done that. I blew it. And that was me who did that. And I own it. I take responsibility. And I just want to put it right out there. I'm, I'm sorry for that thing. And some of us need to just go and say sorry to someone. And it might be a family member, the hardest people in the world to say sorry to because it's family. But some of us need to go and say, hey, mum, hey, dad, or whatever. I'm really sorry because I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have spoken that way. I disrespected you or whatever. And we just own up to our part in it. And they might have done wrong too. But you can't make them be sorry or have decisions to reconcile, you can only play your part and do 
what God's called you to be, to, to, to do. You know, um, there's another passage in Proverbs 28, verse 13, and it says that you can't whitewash your sins and get away with it. You find mercy by admitting them and leaving them. You find God's mercy by admitting and leaving them. Isn't that true? One of my other favorite passages of Scripture is in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. And it says, for, for the kind of sorrow that God wants us to experience, that, that sorrow, it leads us away from sin and results in salvation. So in other words, we're, we're over here and we're looking at the things we've done. And man, you know, oh, I'm feeling bad. You know what? God doesn't want you to feel guilty all your life and go, oh man, you know, I'm a failure, I'm crap, I'm this or that. No, he wants to release us and free us. He says, but there's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, that results in spiritual death. In other words, there's a type of thing where we blame others and we experience the pain of hindsight. We're looking back, but see, worldly sorrow, which is basically experiencing the consequence of hindsight, that is saying, I'm not owning it. And God says, you know what? There is life. When we say, yeah, yeah, that was my part. And you know what? You feel free. I don't know if you've ever experienced this where you just go, hey, you know what? Hey, hey, person, hey, whatever. I did that. And there's such freedom that comes when we're able to own up and be sorry. Isn't that true? The last thing um, I want to share with you, I hope that this, is, this brings a little bit of freedom for us tonight. is that each of us can start to live wise now. Every one of us can start to live wise. Wise people, they start now. I have a friend, his name is Dave Tannen, and he got to a point in life where he was 130 kilos. He was a big lad, all right? And um, he made a decision all of a sudden. I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to be like this. So he changed. He had hindsight where he looked back and he says, I know what got me to here, but I don't want to keep doing that. So foresight will tell me I need, if I want in a year, in two years to be different, I need to make a decision now. And so he decided, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat differently. I'm going to be disciplined and all that. And here's a picture of him now. This is your before and after. He's a youth pastor over at Kingsway Church, one of our friends, Church of Christ. And he's such a legend. He's one of my great friends. We go fishing together. We exercise together. We surf together. And you know what? Just, just that is an amazing testimony of what you can do if you say, man, I'm going to plan a different future. I want to encourage every single person here to take a moment and think, what do I do with the regret and sorrow in my life? Am I wallowing in it? Does it linger with me? Is it causing me to beat up on myself? Do I struggle to forgive myself? Or maybe I'm pushing things away. Maybe I don't own it anymore. Maybe, yeah, that's someone else's problem. Oh, that's because my parents. Or that. Maybe some of us just need to call it for what it is. And you say, hey, you know, the, the change that God's going to bring in my life is when I face up to this thing. And I really encourage every single person, make a decision tonight. The future looks different. I want to pray. And I think someone's going to tinker on the keyboard for us and set a nice mood so that the, we, 
feel warm and fuzzy for the Spirit of God to do something. <laughs> you know what? The Spirit of God can be with you in your car, can be with you in church. We don't enter into his presence or his spirit more just now. But i tell you what is important. At times we heighten our awareness of what God's saying to us and of what he wants to, us to know and for us to do. And so I'm going to encourage you right now to like tune your little ears in and go, all right, God, I kind of want to listen to what you're saying. I want you to convict me if that's necessary. I want you to free me if that's necessary. And let God do something in your heart.